I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, August 15th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jake, Health Canada's crackdown on energy drinks continues. Monster has been pulled from shelves over its high caffeine content, following recalls for Bang, Cocaine, Ghost, Fast Twitch, C4, GoGo Juice, and Rise Fuel. Now here's the, we're going to have, this is an interactive intro. <laughs> okay. Try to guess which one of those we made up. It's it's pretty hard. <laughs> I, I think you'll be surprised. It has to be cocaine, but only because it's so obvious. Is it not cocaine? It's not cocaine. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. Which one is it? Let's let the, let's, we'll reveal it tomorrow. Let's okay. do that. And by the way, those aren't even the ones the kids love. Like it's all about prime. Prime. These days. Yeah. Yeah. Are you an energy drink fan, Jay? Do you like energy drinks? I'm not. But when I go to the US, you can't even buy it here, I don't think. But like if I have a hangover, there is a hangover cure wrapped in this whole realm called, uh, it's like Pedialyte. Yeah. But it's like energy Pedialyte. Like it uh, hydrates kids who are sick. Yeah. But it is a very good hangover cure. That's a good trick for all of you all out there. No free plugs. But that is a good way to cure a hangover. These drinks, I do not drink. I see them on the shelves and the kids do want them because they see them on YouTube, but it's not something we invest heavily in. You? I was just in the US over the weekend and a friend of mine got a four loco. Oh yeah, I took those off the shelves, I remember. But they're all reformulated now. I think they've made them more safe, but they taste disgusting. So yeah, I don't really like energy drinks. I like coffee. Whatever happened to coffee? The original energy drink. Wait till Health Canada comes after that, Brad. Yeah, that's what I lose it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Aside from the energy drinks, Health Canada is going after, but not coffee. What do we have for Peak Pals today? For first story, new AI rules on the way in Canada. For our second story, stepping up the student housing crisis. And for our last story, why are Nova Scotian waters glowing pink? We will get to that. But first, nearly nine months after the release of ChatGPT, Canada is getting progressing toward increasing safety and transparency around generative AI. Brett, this sounds like good news. How are we planning to stop the robots from taking over? Well, you know, I'll let the listeners decide how aggressive this is. But the federal government is currently putting together a voluntary code of conduct that could commit firms to safety measures, testing and disclosures as per the logic. Yeah, voluntary measures. Good luck. Possible measures could include watermarking AI-generated content to differentiate it from human-created content and aggressively testing AI systems to find flaws. Now, this all matters because Canada's proposed Artificial Intelligence and Data Act could take years to finalize and turn into law, but the code will warm up companies for incoming AI legislation. The U.S. has rolled out a similar program that Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Meta, and OpenAI have all signed on to as the Biden administration prepares to put AI legislation into law by the end of this year. The EU is also looking to pass a voluntary code of conduct as the bloc works on AI rules, complicated regulations that the 27 countries will all have to agree on, which won't take effect for another three years at least. We could be waiting. Yeah, but regulators are playing catch up with a sector that's racing to improve and update AI models, meaning that new rules could be outdated by the time they actually become enforceable. And this is the bottom line. With the plan in its consultation stage and legislation a while away, it's too soon to predict what AI regulation Canada will look like or how effective it will be. For our second story, with rents hitting record highs in the school year incoming, startups are helping students find rooms where they can live, study, and hang posters of their favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. That sounds like something you did, Jay, not something that the current generation does. (laughs) Quentin Tarantino was a child when I was in university. 
Here's what's driving the news. A new crop of companies is providing housing for students by pairing them with a growing number of Canadians with spare bedrooms. This according to the Globe and Mail. Sparrow, one such platform that launched last year, is on track to broker 400 home share agreements this year and aims to score 2,000 next year. Space Shared, which began operations this year, has partnerships with Georgian College in Barrie and Humber College in Toronto to promote the platform. And this is all happening because high enrollments, driven by a record number of international students in school pushing to make more money, have strained the supply of student housing. Today, between 4 and 5% of Canada's post-secondary students are experiencing some form of homelessness, according to PSSH, a homelessness research group. And it matters because the student rental crunch can broadly affect a city's housing prices as competition drives up prices for what's supposed to be the lower end of the rental market. Rentals.ca partially attributed July's blistering rent surge to students signing leases before the school year starts. Next, schools are tackling the problem by building new residences and partnering with rental websites, but some experts believe that better alignment between schools and governments on how many student cities can realistically house is necessary. For our third story, waters in Nova Scotia were glowing pink last Thursday. And no, it wasn't a viral marketing stunt for Pepto-Bismol or an alien menace that crash-landed into the sea. But Brett, why is or why was the water pink? So researchers from Dalhousie University and green tech company Planetary Technologies dumped 500 liters of pink fluorescent dye into the waters around Halifax Harbor and Dartmouth to see how far the dye would travel into the Atlantic Ocean. Cool, but why? Well, it's the first phase of a study to learn if the ocean could be used to reduce atmospheric carbon. The ocean holds 90% of the Earth's CO2 and can safely store it thanks to its alkaline nature. This fall, researchers plan to add an alkaline solution into the harbor, positing that increasing the alki- al- alkalinity, I think that is the word, alkalinity, bread is nodding, so I think it's right, of ocean waters could help them store even more carbon. And using boats, drones, and underwater robots, the study will track the pink dye to see where and how it spreads, giving them an idea of how the alkaline solutions will travel. It matters because in addition to reducing carbon emissions, removing carbon from the atmosphere as much as 10 billion tons annually by 2050 by some counts is now seen as a necessity in reaching global climate goals. With the long-term viability of current carbon capture and storage solutions still unclear, the ocean could be a big blue storage facility. Dalhousie's Dr. Katia Fennell told CBC ocean alkalinity enhancement has the greatest potential for storing carbon permanently and safely at scale. Now to zoom out. The study is one of the first, if not the first of its kind, and will go a long way in proving or I guess disproving the feasibility of this idea. Pig Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett, and have a great Tuesday, Peak Pals. Peak Pals.